0: Uh, psalm 68 is uh, a really powerful psalm in a lot of ways. I've, I've enjoyed studying it uh, this week. Enjoyed hearing what uh, our forefathers in the faith. You know, um, David may not have ever met Jesus the Lord, but he knew uh, the God of Israel. He knew the God that we know. And, and he was a leader, not just as king, but he would craft songs that they use in worship as a reminder of who their God is. And so we will see that as well. But I want to remind all of us here this morning of a couple couple things as we begin. One, parents who are very powerful in the life of the kids. You know, and parents are powerful. And the role as a a parent is is an honor. But we must also remember that it's very powerful. And to be wise in how we steward that responsibility. As we steward these kids that God has blessed us with. As we seek to to, uh, shape them in a way that would honor God. As Christian parents, we need to steward the faith of our kids. And how to guide them in that. They're, the image they will have of God our Father will will come around to who we are as parents and as men. And we can't forget that. For better or for worse. And that can be daunting. I know it is many times in my own life. I look at my kids and go, man, I sure hope I don't screw them up too much. You know or uh, one day they will sit across uh, a room with a counselor and, and report everything I have done. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm already trying to put a little bit aside uh, for those times. But here's the other thing. We're going to read God as the Father. The Father is, he can overcome our weaknesses. Are we showing that we have weaknesses? They need to see we are human beings like the rest, and, Some of you are like, well, it doesn't matter, I'm not there. But we also need to remember adults shape children's life. One parent adult can change the trajectory of a child in more ways than you may understand. We we have in our bulletin on on the back, you know, a nursery list and who's doing it. May I challenge you that... Uh, not only those that see your name on there, but those of you who who don't see your name on there, one, you can always volunteer. Because you can change the life. You say, well, we have a bunch of good kids. We do. I mean, play and Vaughn's kids are good kids, you know. But you know what? Every good kid needs another adult to walk alongside. Every good kid needs somebody else who will say the exact same thing as mom and dad. And they'll hear it from that other person, and they'll be like, "Wow, that was great." You know, I, I, I think I've shared this before. i not. I shared it with some. You know, uh, this year one of our goals with Daniel at the beginning of this year was—I mean, he's getting into middle school. You know, and if you've ever worked with middle schoolers, you know there's one thing that accompanies them: smell. Okay, they're learning hygiene. We tried to tell him to shower. We told him for months, shower every day. You need to start doing that. It wasn't until his gym teachers talked with the the guys at school and said, you know, you're at the age where you're starting to probably change and smell a little bit, so you need to shower every day. You know what that kid started to do? Shower every single day. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We said it and go, How many times did we take? But you know, so-and-so told me, okay. We need other people. And we need to pray for those on the back of that list. Their words that day. Their play that day. You know, straighter boys, you aren't fathers in the traditional sense. But every little kid that you play with, you are shaping their lives. Jordan, the same thing with you at the Aquatic Center. Every interaction you have and beyond, every interaction here, you're shaping a child's life. Sometimes, all somebody needs to know is there's one adult that cares, that loves. I mean, Barb, I don't know how many times you, or Joyce, and all the retired teachers, you said, you know, you have a kid come up that just reminds you, remembers you and they say something and you were one of the best I had. Right? I remind me your name? You know, you remember. I right? you don't forget that you need help being reminded. And you never know that power within that. Barna has recently come out with some realizations of how powerful those who work with children in the life of churches are. We pray over that list. Each week, Next week it is the You know, pray for them this week. that. Um, you know, and the next week there'll be another name. Pray in advance for that other name, and maybe you want to get your hands involved with it because there is power. In it. And and one of the things we see is God always willing to shape the life of others, and He uses that not just He uses not just Himself. Though he will do that in mighty ways. He will show up and show off, as I like to say. But most of the time, he uses normal people like you and unnormal, abnormal people like me to do this. You just never know that power. And so as we were reminded of those things, we need to be reminded of who this God is. The psalmist is calling to remind us of who God is. It starts out, may God arise and may his enemies be scattered. God doesn't arise like uh, Bob Bolin would arise three hours later from a nap or many of you others would. But God arose in the beginning and, God is a ro- and he will arise again at the end. He is the beginning and the ends. We have a song that talks about that. The beginning and the end with that. Revelation 1, 8 reminds us of this. I am the Alpha and Omega of the world, who is the present, who was the past, and who is to come, the Almighty One. And what is beautiful, and this is uh, just a word if you ever want to show somebody who's struggling with is Jesus God. You can bring them into Revelation 1 because uh, we see here in Revelation 1, it is God Almighty, or God the Father, you would say, who, who says this. But in Revelation 21, maybe, let me get to it. At the end of Revelation, I'll start there, and I'll find the exact one. Revelation 21, and verse 13. We read this, and, and, and in our uh, modern Bibles, we we get this idea of this being a bread, which is very helpful. These are words of Jesus. And Jesus says this I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first, the last, the beginning, and the end. Now, both of these can't be saying the same thing unless they are the same person. Because one of them would be a lot. They both can't be the beginning and the end unless they are the same. A very powerful realization that we can come to. And we need to see that. We need to understand that God is the beginning and the end. And it does for us adults and for us parents, especially those of us who are parents in this day and age, which can be interesting, can be frightening, we can wonder if we are really even up with the task. But God will be with us in this task. And so we come to the Psalms to help us reflect on who God is. And who God was not just a history lesson, but as a reminder of this is who God is now. And how that, that changed your life? And so let us start with where the psalmist said, God is a warrior. He's not just sitting back. He's not. He said, May God arise, may his enemies be scattered, may his foes flee before him. May you blow them away like smoke as wax melts before the fire. May the wicked perish before God. We see later that uh, he's at battle. It talks about, um, you know, how God conquers in very graphic and vivid and, and very uh, violent ways that can set us back. But the reminder is God is a warrior. Every God in uh, ancient Near Eastern culture was, there was a God that would fight for each nation. <clears throat> and the question would be, who would be the almighty one? Who would be the big one? And we read time and time again in the Old Testament that God is that warrior. For the nation of Israel, they were to see their God as the one who would fight their battles. There's a new song out about not fighting our battles. Now the task, the hard thing for them, and the hard thing for us, with the nation of Israel and you and I, we have to let God fight the battles. The way he says to fight the battles. You think that's was easy back then. I mean, come on. If you're Joshua and you're getting ready to take that first city, and you hear God say, "Here's how you're going to fight the battle. You're going to walk around the city for six days, and then on the seventh day, you're going to walk around seven more times, and you're you're just going to blow trumpets and shout, and you're going to dismantle this city." Now, Chad, you've been in war. Calvin, well, you've been in war. If a general ever told you that's how you were going to defeat your enemy. I'm not sure you would probably follow the general to my foot. you? You know, that's kind of not how we do this. But you know what? If you did it, and it happened, I bet that would change your perspective on who this leader is. You may go, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, but it worked. And it was also a reminder, they can't do it on their own. You and I can't fight our battles alone. I don't know what your battle is this morning. I, for some of you, you may, this day is not a. Your battle is one of just a, maybe a lot of emotions this day it conjures up. Some maybe good things, not so good things. I, I, I empathize with you. I've been in similar situations. Maybe God would let me fight the battle because when you let God fight the battle, you can relax crazy. and praise It says here, His foes may they melt like wax. Now, a lot of times we think of that, and we think of candles, like the, the candles we used to light over here, which uh, Art and George, I think a lot of them again. So, you know, um, I, I thought about that weeks ago, but never said anything until now. So, you know. You know, we, we think of blowing it out, but see, the wax that David is talking about is they would use wax kind of to help form and manufacturing as a mold where where uh, things would get poured into, and then you would put it through the fire so that what was left was this pure clay, maybe, or other things. So it's this idea of wax kind of dripping out and no longer being Which is really interesting imagery for me, at least since I shared it with you. But we can relax, but may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. See, when the nation of Israel understood that God was their warrior, they realized it didn't all depend upon them. And there is freedom. When you realize that it's not all dependent on you. Because you don't have to worry so much about messing it up. You know, you've got to be able to follow. Sometimes with uh, with parenting, parents that understand this, especially in our culture, you're afraid that the next time you mess up, everybody will let everybody else know how you messed up. You know? And there's a portion of that. You know? There's a portion where, in our world, we live in a very shame-based world where um, we will we will highlight somebody else's mistake and think we're going to mess them all up forever. Kids are pretty resilient. I mean, uh, you, you don't know how many times I've done something to Eliana in particular. She's the one that comes to mind because she's the youngest. You know, where uh, you know uh, something's happened, she bounces right back, literally bounces back. Now, she'll remind me of everything I've done that wasn't right to her. And some can empathize, right, toward it. You know. <laughs> Eliana shames about every time. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, she was raised better than that. You know, but they are. But there's also that power of those times when you just spend one-on-one. You know, I'm going to be out of the office, I think, Thursday and Friday this week. Josiah and I have a have an adventure going on. We don't know it yet, we don't know what we're doing yet, but we're, we're just gonna go one-on-one. You know I'm saying? He and I time. Which probably means I'll, I'll redo my fishing license and we'll go see what we can catch or not catch. You know, I don't know, uh, you know. But we will. You know, we'll, we'll probably eat pizza him you know. And funniest thing, the kid won the pizza eating contest yesterday, My oh, boy. <laughs> I think it was hilarious, <laughs> you know, he, he, you know, he, sometimes we wonder, you know, our kids watch a lot of YouTube, the, the better stuff on YouTube, and then we know that's not always good, we get it, you know, but all his YouTube watching of the uh, hot dog eating contest has finally paid off, <laughs> he used the same strategy as Joey Chestnut, you know, he has it down, you know, his brother was at the contest too and he couldn't handle the pizza as quickly as, as his younger brother, so you know, he was excited. You know, those kind of things. If you wondered, my best of them love. You know, I can remember this. I will remember it. But we can relax. We can la- relax and be present with what's going on. You know, and that for, for you adults, have you ever just been present with a kid? You know? Uh, and, and, you know, just truly be present. You don't need to know anything, you don't have to share anything, but be present. There is such power there. You know? And I don't know if you've ever noticed that, uh, you know, with babies, I talk to babies, they talk back, and I tell them what they're saying, it's great. And I might not make any sense, but you know what, there's power in kind of talking back and not making any sense. We know when the babies are talked to, it's life. You know, even if they hear someone like me kind of blabbering on about something they don't even know about, why are you laughing so hard, Maya? (laughs) <laughs> no, no, she's thinking of what I've said to her. I this week, I'm certain. But you know what? This is for the rest of us. How can you, with the kids in our church, be present and just sit down and go, wow, that was kind of neat. No, you tell me how that one is, even if you already know the answer. And I know I've said but get down on that level. You know, this is why I work with teenagers. I can at least look up. <laughs> you know. But get down at the level and just, wow. And it's the worst picture ever. Wow. Tell me why you picked that color. All right? There's power there. Yet, then let people like the Straders and Jordan and Ashley get down on their hands and knees and play. But sometimes, get down if you can. The power of play. Without kids, I All right, let me go on before I get too caught up on my soapbox. He it goes, it goes on, though, the psalmist says, A father to a fatherless, and defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. But those who are stubborn in their way, may they live in a sun-scorched land. Throughout all of scripture, and we need to see this, this is still like part of our mission today. God watches out for the vulnerable. And he highlights three of them in this text. The fatherless, the widows, and the prisoners. I would submit to you that those same three characteristics are still vulnerable to this day. orphans, the widows and widowers, and the prisoners. They may be in prison, something has happened where there may be a sense of justice, but God is watching out for those. This is why James said a religion that is pure, faith that is pure, following Jesus that is pure, is looking out for the orphans and the widows. In that day and age, their complete livelihood was based on the grace and the mercy of others. I don't know many of us who want to be at the hands of others in that way. We may not like it. But it's tough. all throughout the law, which is found in a lot the law in Exodus and Deuteronomy numbers. God says, watch out for the vulnerable among you. With them. You are to be my people, and there was going to be something different about that. And here's the beauty: God is there in that. And many of us don't like to be vulnerable. We like to have the sense that we are okay. If you truly believe you are always okay, you will never come to the Lord. Because you have no need for it is not surprising to me, at least, that the beginning of the downfall of the nation of Israel is when they no longer had a need for about anything. Solomon had the riches upon riches. Nations came and they tribute to him. He had more than enough of everything. In fact, as one uh, writer once said, Under the nation, under uh, Solomon, the nation of Israel became the new Egypt, of which they were called out of. Not that many years prior, but they didn't need a God to provide; but they had it all. They had the cherries, they had the storehouses, they had the grain. They had the esteem of their neighbors. They had it, and they had it to excess. Do you know what? It was awesome in this time period that, as I read Scripture, when the most vulnerable among them were lost. The widows, the widowers, the fathers. How different would it be made if they would have realized again the words they may have sung in the temple? A father to a fatherless, a defender of the widows is God in His holy love. Well. God can do this, and that's why God's people are to be called and called to be the family for others. You know, most of you know my story. My father was killed in a. Single car car accident one December when I was, a, was just a wee little kid, and it was the church who became our family beyond our family. You know, it was the church who stepped in. You know, and one of my struggles it was unique to me, and some of you may, I, I I didn't really uh, you know know my dad, and so there was a lot of that kind of thinking. You know, going on, a lot of that, uh, to some extent, pity and, and, and trying try to work with. But I remember I had others who stepped in at, at pivotal moments to be there. Maybe it was uh, Mr. Larry Kearns who took me to a Miami University hockey game. Where you could get in, you know, to that. Took me when he refereed basketball to a couple basketball games. Mr. Robert Burke, or not Robert, but Dave Burke. Who I don't know why he did work at his house. I didn't, he didn't need me there, but he brought me there. A Larry Hudson, or as my kids call him, Big Paul, because he's big. And Paul is his name to his grandkids, and so we're just part of it, you know. A Scott Cox. Who when I first met him, he he literally ran across the church. The big collateral boys. Well, they didn't go. They, they left. You know, uh, when this goes to you. Be glad that the first time I didn't see you, I didn't mimic him. He came running across the entryway of the church and jumped into my arms. <laughs> Talk about being scared. All right, Here's this grown man jumping into my arms. Not really, my uncle was the pastor. There was some knowledge of each other. A little freaky. Right, but I'm thinking to live with him and his family for a year while in college. And Mr. Bob Mako that, uh, you know, they live in the country in Park County. They never locked their back doors. So when I was driving to church, they, they, they would leave their back door open, and the invitation was, whenever you want to come on in, make yourself at home. You know? And so I did. And then one day, he said, hey, we're going to go back and shoot clay pigeons. I said, okay, i got homework to do. He said, no, you're coming. No, know what I'm doing? like that's okay, I'll teach you. The power but one caring individual and in the lives. This is why many churches, especially, especially historically, have called one another brother and sister. We are a family. Which means I don't care if you've never had any kids. I'm adoptable, and so are my kids. And you don't even have to take them home for visitation. Okay. You can't No, but it's true You know, Mama Joyce I mean, everyone calls her Mama Joyce But there's more to that I think I should started calling her that She called me her two-year-old baby (laughs) You know, we're all about And if we get this This is the power of the family This is what David is saying To those who do not have a family, God provides a family for you. The nation of Israel was always to remember that they were brothers and sisters. This is why it was prohibited that we were ever to enslave one another. In the same way that the nations did others. This is why they were always to care for one another. This is why God set up in his law that you were to leave the ends of your field for others. Not because it was economically profitable to do that, but because there were the vulnerable among you that needed it. This is why family was called to redeem and buy the land for their own fellow brothers, literally. Because the world was there. Because God notices what they said, and many of the prophets, their, their words of judgment and condemnation to the nation of Israel was not just based on what was going right or wrong, but based on how they were caring for God's people, the most vulnerable, and whether or not the nation of Israel was a family to those friends. You see, in all the world, we're going to have lots of people, Lord willing, come to our church who don't understand what it means to have a loving father, or maybe a father. But they, may, they may have an image of uh, of the role of a dad to be very negative and very condescending and very painful and you and me, us get to show them there is a different way there is a better way because God is there why can't he do this? because of his past actions and then this psalm and in, in particular for the nation of Israel it is the exodus movement as we read out that he went out before his people he marched through the wilderness he gave abundant showers when they needed it you people they settled in a land that god provided as bounty a land they didn't deserve their their past, his past actions was a reminder of things the chariots of god i love this are ten thousands Tens of thousands and thousands of thousands. In, in your devotions this week, or those of you watching online at slash devotions, or you just want to pick it up there, you'll pick up on this uh, where this imagery to some extent is played out again. In 17, when Elisha the prophet was surrounded by uh, the enemy. And, and his fellow travelers are like, I of um, Elisha, you know this isn't going to end well here. You're surrounded. You know? And Elisha said, Lord, open their eyes to see. And what do they see? They see God's chariots, his armies on chariots all around. May we have eyes to see how God is fighting the battle it may not be the way you expect it. Because if I'm, if I'm there with Elisha and I sit that, i like, oh, oh, ah, uh, yeah. Not expecting this one. But we read of the God of the Old Testament, we read of the God of the New Testament, and God's past actions, the God who was, and we go, wow, if he could do that, then I bet he could do something today. The question is, what is and that's what David goes on to say. Praise verse 19. Praise or blessed be the Lord our God, our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. God is present right now. You're not forgotten. You never are. Deuteronomy, as Joyce said, and Marshall quoted. In Hebrews, where God says to his people, never will I leave you, nor will I say. What if we as God's church did that? For one another? How can you do that? And then God in the future will reign for you. It talks about his conquering. It talks about how the nations will come. Sing to God in the kingdoms of the earth, sing praise to the Lord, to him who rises in the highest heaven, the ancient heavens, who thunders with a mighty voice, proclaim the power of God. We live in this already not yet concept of this. God is not fully in control of all the world in the sense that all have submitted themselves to him. He is fully in control in the idea that he is over all things. But we don't see that fully now. But there is coming a day when he will. And then we can rest. We can rest now in that. We can show others what it means to understand God as a leader, a ruler, king, and a father this morning. And I hope that you will see that in your own life. And I hope you will pray that God would come. Maranatha is the, the word. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. And it's not a come, Lord Jesus, just so those who don't know Jesus are wiped out. We need not pray that those who don't know Jesus are wiped out. We ought to pray that they come to know Jesus. But we do want to see the rightful King fully in control of things. We do want to see God's justice fully in control. But we also ought to care. About those who don't know Jesus, because when He comes back again, it isn't a pretty picture. And I want Jesus to come back. I pray that often, but I also want people to know Him first. And I just pray that Jesus comes back to wipe out. Pray for those who persecution. Yes, there is a justice that is coming. Because he is the alpha, the Omega, the beginning, and the end. And he will So, What is our response to this? As I quickly close. Our response is to bless God. I know that's an odd concept. In fact, uh, it, it reads here praise the end. Praise be to God really misses the connotation because we can praise Him and it's a very passive act. And I'm not saying bless God as if God needs us. I'm sure, only because I know what probably happens next is my kids are going to come back up with something that they're going to give me for Father's Day. Do I need it? No. Did I need the hands the boys gave me? Funny thing they said, When can we eat our candy after they gave it to (laughs) me? I think you missed the point, boys. I don't need candy. They wanted to bless me. They wanted to bless me. God will take the blessing that we will give them. He doesn't need it. We don't add anything to God. He is self-sufficient. But the nation of Israel realized part of their livelihood was to bless God by how they lived. And so we must humbly obey God. Because He has loved us so much. Will you be vulnerable with Him? Make humility right there. Will you be vulnerable with God's family? Let Let them provide for you. Obey not just out of fear, but because of his heart. His heart that he says, I look out for those that are less fortunate. How else? We bless God by using the gifts he has given. If I just let the candy my boys gave me just sit and never do anything with, what good is that? One, they would steal it sooner or later. Two, what good is candy that just still stale? It isn't. I'm going to use that gift. Now, you know, this is where the analogy falls apart. God it. I'm giving you gifts. Now go us others. The reality, if you are in Christ, you have been gifted with something. What are you doing with that gift of grace? A grace of salvation, but the grace of the gifts that He and the abilities he has given you. What are you doing with that? Are you just kind of sitting on and go, woo? I mean, that is so good to me, and not doing anything with it. That, that's as my grandmother would say, or Joyce would say, you know, we work so well together, we rub off on each other. I don't know how I rubbed off on her, but, you know, this is one of the things that's about It's hogwash. But many of us do. It wasn't just—I don't think—a prophecy had come, although I think it was. But there was something to it. The nature of Israel was to bless the other nations because they realized the blessing God had given them. We, as God's people, have been blessed in more ways than we could ever comprehend. And if we truly get that, we won't sit on grace. recount what God has done, who He was, so that they can be reminded about who He is, and who He will come. Do you have a story of God showing up and showing off? Maybe a small one. Maybe one that doesn't seem like much. You know, um, we were uh, interacting with people, obviously, last, uh, last night, um, yesterday, downstairs, and um, most of the time I don't let people know I'm the pastor here, I don't know what their thought is of so pastor's one, and, you know, I'm just a normal, I'm not normal, I'm just a, a human being like the rest of them, um, in that way, but we were talking and someone said, well, you're here, the pastor, I said, yeah, um, I said, well, I'm looking for a church. And, and, and all of a sudden, uh, a family member of theirs really uh, spoke up and said, yeah, this is the church and the pastor I've been talking to you about because of this is what they've been doing in our community. Wow. Okay, Lord. I've been kind of asking for some guidance on some things. And here's this other person who, who doesn't come to our church, doesn't actually go to church, but they're going, but you know, you know what, we've both been looking for a church. Maybe we ought to Maybe we ought to come here. Barbara, remember this conversation? You know, but and Barbara and I really didn't do anything. They carried the conversation about how great we were. <laughs> Fortunately, Barbara didn't tell them the truth. <laughs> <laughs> no! Like, hello! That's, that's not showing up. That's recounting his goodness, his actions. We pray all the time for those who don't know Jesus, for those who don't have church. Can I pray for you? Or how can I pray for you? People will tell you, and then pray right then and there. How can I pray for you? You know, opens a door. You know, on this list, we have a name of Stephanie, that's uh, the daughter of a mechanic and a band. And and just to remind him on the camp we pray, and if we, are church, pray. He doesn't go to church. We don't know his faith background. But by praying, he knows somebody cares. He knows someone cares. Lastly, I just want to ask you this quickly. God your Father? I know that has connotations for some that may not be good, but that's not the image of God we have in the scripture. He's fully loving. He will discipline. We don't get to just do things however we want, but He cares. Hear these words of the psalmist directly: A father to a fatherless, a defender of the widows. God sets the lonely and families. He leads out prisoners with joyous, Our God daily bears our burdens, and He, our God, is a God who saves. So, Lord, summon your power. Show us your strength as you have done before. You are awesome, O God. Your majesty is over all. Your power is evident in the heavens. May you give power and strength your people your may that be true of you and for me to come to as father, it's just as simple as saying here I am I come as a child believing in your path your way that Jesus is the salvation who saves from death into life and then it is time to grow grow with this new faith, this new family you don't have to have all the answers but it's actually best if you don't As you learn more of Him, but in so doing, if you will trust Him, you will find there is no better way. So, as we conclude this time of worship, will you stand or pick up your hymnal to the hymnal?